It's Mark from In The Saddle Podcast. We were fortunate enough to be joined by friend and pundit Chris Loder and also friend, five-time champion tipster Paul Jacobs. We hadn't seen Paul since the Paddy Power Cheltenham preview night, but he was in great form and picking out some massive each-way value selections for Royal Ascot next week. I hope you enjoy this podcast. All our selections and all our naps will be in our bio. Also, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes and Podbeam to make sure you don't miss any of our latest episodes. Welcome to episode 31 of In The Saddle Podcast and we are joined by the legendary champion tipster Paul Jacobs. How's it going Paul? Yeah, good evening to you. I wouldn't put legendary in there. Lucky is the way I describe it, because I think in horse racing you need more than a modicum of luck along the way. And when you get your fair share, I think you grab it and you're on with it, don't you? I've been following your tips since the old time from radio days, and I've I've been doing all right. So no complaints. Is that why you've been declared bankrupt recently? Is it? Yeah, jeez. Yeah, my name is. It's difficult to hide these things, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, there's always an upside betting in someone else's name, but. You know what I mean? Onwards and upwards. But uh, joined by my co-host as well, Chris Loder. How's it going, Chris? Yeah, you're right, not bad. Good. So, are you feeling about next week, Royal Ascot? Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a bit weird, I think. Obviously, no people being there, and also as well the layout. It's good that they've put on some extra races, but uh, yeah, trying to work out what's been going where and if it'll come too soon or will it need a prep run it's been difficult to work out but uh managed to put together some horses that i fancy so hopefully we can have some winners well okay so let's let's just crack on so on the tuesday first race we're going to look at is the queen Anne stakes what's your views on this one paul i mean obviously it's around circus maximus having won the st james's last year and he's a top class colt and even though there's a big field entered this year it, 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 it's quantity over quality i think i don't think there's an awful lot of strength and depth in the queen anne and what you find in the queen anne down through the years it's one of the the more um quicker run races in the whole of the meeting there's always seems to be a pace on there's never a doodle that'll happen this year there are confirmed two front runners there are no less than six presses in the field as well so you're looking towards an end-to-end gallop circus maximus has his form on the board Fox Chairman is a, is a progressive horse that I know Andrew Balding really, really likes. He was a wee bit unlucky last year behind Sangarius over 10 furlongs. And he will benefit from a really fast pace because you know he's going to stay. I think Andrew, I mean, I spoke to Andrew a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned a Fox to me and he said, just want a little bit of juice in the ground for him. So the weather's come in his favour. And it's all a matter, and you know, Chris and I, and you can debate this uh, all day long, it's all a matter of how much he's improved over the winter and the spring because he probably has seven or eight pound at least to find on the book with circus but of course that's not implausible that it won't happen the other horse i think is has been totally forgotten is duke of hazard who of course made his way through the handicap ranks listed company group three company and is one of those horses rather like accidental agent when he won this race a few years back he's one of these horses coming off the blind side and he too if he if he continues that progression from last year Again, if he improves another seven or eight pounder, only put him three or four pound behind the favourite and the second favourite. He said he's the intriguing horse, he's the dark horse in the race 
in a way. But I wanted bigger than 10 to 1 about and I was going to play each way. I wanted 16 or 20 to 1, and maybe I was being hugely optimistic. On all known form, Aiden Source should win the race. Um, but I think Fox Chen is all, almost an each way bet to nothing. And if there is a little bit of dig in the ground for him, I think he's, he's worth a, an each way play against the favourite here without going in too big. But it's an intriguing queen out. Yeah, the uh, Andrew Balding runner is currently 8 to 1, and Duke of Hazard is best price 11 to 1, so potentially each way alternatives to Circus Maximus. I mean, what, what I find quite interesting about the obviously the favourite, Aidan O'Brien, there's no pacemaker in this race, which, which I find quite strange. I mean, all, they've obviously been like with their, their recent races in Ireland. Um, well, I don't one. think he. I don't think he'll be worried about that. I think there's natural pace up amongst the other runners in any case, um, and I think he could be hidden in in the pack by Ryan Moore. Um, you know, Ryan's a really interesting young jockey. When he was um, sort of growing up um, uh, under his under his father's tutelage at home, one of the things that Gary always mentioned to me when I used to visit him was that uh, Ryan. Uh, used to make a lot of mistakes when he was a young jockey, uh, going for the wrong gaps at the wrong time. And you'll remember when he rode, and it's going a, a fair way back, he rode Sir Isaac Newton in the Jersey States. Um, and it was the most horrendous ride I've ever seen at Royal Ascot. And, and he was a top-level jockey then, what, five, six years ago. And he made that mistake again. That's always my worry. I'd rather have Ryan Moore out in front or, or on a presser than a hold-up horse in a big field. Uh, and for that reason... Um, he, he's not one of my favourite jockeys, and it goes against the grain. And when I mention this on panels, people look at me and groan with disdain. And I was actually on a panel with his sister last year. And when I mentioned the Sir Isaac Newton ride, she nearly decapitated me. But I think if you can criticise constructively, yeah, and not be overzealous about it, I, I think you can make these points. But going back to your original point, Circus Maxis, I think there will be natural pace in the race and there was no need for him to put in a pacemaker. I think this will be a truly run race. And therefore, with lucky running, the best horse or the most improving horse should prevail here. But it's an interesting renewal. Yeah, me and Chris, we have a similar opinion on Ryan Moore. We just can't catch him. Um, very difficult jockey, in my opinion, to catch, right? What in this race, Chris? What, what are you looking at? Are you with the favourite, or are you going against our friend Ryan Moore? I think you have to take him on because this okay. race in the last couple of years it's become a bit of a minefield. Um, the last couple of years we've had accidental agent Lord Glitters, you know, win at big prices, and there's not really been anything in the mile in division that's really cemented as the top dog um, over the mile. And yeah, it's it's quite a tricky race. I mean. The two that I, I came down on, uh, were, the first one was Mahatha for Marcus Tregonin and Jim Crowley. I think he's a re he's one of these horses that just get forgotten about. He's actually got brilliant form when you look at it, considering he's only run a few times and half of his career has been in group races. And he, he won the group three uh, Horace Hill as a two-year-old. And then he won the Greenham Stakes last year. And then he wasn't seen until the back end last season when he ran a very good race uh, when he finished fifth in the QE2 at Ascot that was after a really long layoff and he's probably had his problems along the way but the reports coming from the yard are that they've got him in in top nick and um, I think if he um, if he uh, gets into a good position in the race I definitely think he's going to be up there um, he's going to have a massive chance of maybe proving some people wrong uh, the other one I came down on was Billston Brook, an old favourite of mine and yours, Marcus. Um, yeah, we've definitely done okay on that one in the past. The 20-1 winner, was it? 
Yeah, something like that, wasn't it? When she won the Sun Chariot. Um, uh, nice, very nice. Yeah, she um, she's she's got to take on the boys, which is difficult. I don't think she's done it in her career so far, but um, she 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 she's already had the benefit of a run. I thought she ran all right at Kempton, considering that she always needs her first run of the year, and she's going to get the weight allowance as well. She'll get the mare's allowance, so she'll get some weight from the boys. And I just think at her price, you know in a wide open race, which is going to be probably very hard to find the winner. I just thought she could give you a good run for your money as well. Okay. So that's your two against the favorite two each way selections. And I, I'd imagine you'd be placing them on Betfair as well, Chris. I know you, you absolutely love that product now. This isn't a plug, but you, uh, I know you love that product. Yeah. Yeah. Be learned as many places as I can get. Absolutely. Um, so Mofia and Bills from Brook and obviously Paul likes two potentially but the price aren't right but Cirrus Maximus is probably the one to beat. Uh, moving on to the King Stand um, and obviously th this race is completely made up by one horse, Batash. Um, Paul, are we, are we with him or are we against him? I don't know, I'm sort of undecided. Uh, he's obviously a much better horse on a sharper, flatter track like your. I think the last half furlong of Pilladaska really tested his stamina. His form figures are 12-2-2 at the Berkshire track. Um, and if Jim Crowley gets him to hit the front too early, he's like a sitting duck because he's not the strongest in the finish. Having said that, you know what? This division isn't the strongest now. I actually, I, I nearly slipped my wrists when I heard that Skeptical was going to go for the Golden Jubilee because I backed him for this at 20-1 to 1 before he won at Nace. So I was actually devastated. And I can't understand why they're going for the Golden Jubilee because I don't think he'll win that. I think he, I think he would have been an interesting bet against Batash, even though the price had gone after he'd won at Nace. I thought he was hugely impressive that day, but that's gone. I have to push it to the back door. Um, the fillies here are interesting. Glass Slippers who won the last three races all in France last year. She's improving, um, but with eleven in the race, this is made for an each way bet. The shape, the betting shape of the race, is perfect for an each way bet. Uh, and I've had um, one of my biggest bets for a while in a Group 1 sprint on Curious each way. Now, Curious has the best part of a stone and a wee bit more to find with Batash. But this is a horse's horses race. Won the Coral Charger course last time and the time before that, the scurry at Sandown. So stays five furlongs comprehensively. And Henry Candy... He's a wily old fox. He very rarely puts his horses above uh, uh, their class in races like this. He won't put it into maybe finish second or third. He probably thinks he's got a chance at having a go at Batash. And if Batash misbehaves in the preliminaries beforehand, which he has done on several occasions, or he runs very, very free indeed, which I think he has to do. I think something negative has to happen to Batash for him to lose this. But that's a possibility. It's a distinct possibility. And if he hits the front too early, he's there to be shot at. Now, of course, he's been beaten in the last two years by a very, very good sprinter in blue point, and that arguably isn't a blue point in this field. But I'd be happy if I back Curious each way for Curious to finish in the first three, and I will and do the maths. Do the maths. I'll make a much bigger profit for him finishing second or third than I will backing Batash to win. And that is what betting is all about, you know. It's all about figures. You know, you can have two horses in a race if you get the right prices about them against the favourite. And you could even back them each way. It's all about doing the maths. And yes, Curious is nowhere near in the league of Batash, um, but is uh, six times the price of Glass Slippers and is still progressing. And if she finishes third in a field of 11, I'll be very happy. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you on the Henry Candy angle. I know he had that nice horse, Dinkin Diamond, obviously. Yes. A bit, a bit before Chris Lowther's time, yeah. but uh, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of good turns on on that one. And it is an interesting angle. I mean, uh, Batash is so far clear on ratings, but I mean, there's more chance of beating himself, you know, uh, Absolutely. at the start. And I completely agree with you with Curlis angle as well. And again, not that I plug for Betfair, but if you can get four or five places on this, anything around two to one, five to two, you'd be all over it, wouldn't you? agree with you and and you know that again there's plenty of pace in this race you know uh, but Tash will probably be ridden fourth or fifth Sergei Prokofiev is an absolute speedball uh shades of blue Liberty Beach all like to race prominently um but you know I, I just in these races in the King Stand normally we have a much bigger field than this and I'm just hoping that Harry Bentley or I think is a massively underrated jockey um can get uh, his uh, curious settle and she naturally settles quite well she bows her head and she does relax through her races um you know it could be that if she does happen to win this i probably won't have another bet in the rest of the meeting if she's placed i probably will but why go to the well again if you land the jackpot at a big price and in one of the early races to me it just it just makes no sense at all but it's a really interesting make i'll be interested to hear what what chris thinks about batash whether all three of us agree that what you said and what I said is that he, there is to a certain percentage, to a certain point, he could he could in a way beat himself either before the race or, or, or during the race. Carlos, a massive price, um, twenty to one. Curious at the moment, which is massive. It'll probably be bigger on the day, maybe nick about a ferry free. So it does look like a like a good alternative. Um, what about yourself, Chris? Are you taking on Batash? Same with Paul, or? Um... No, I think it's going to be really hard to beat, um, to be honest with you. Um, you were talking, obviously, about his antics. The interesting thing this year is that there's going to be no people there. So the, the crowd noise and the buzz, it might not get to him, um, which is quite an interesting angle. And also, as well, a lot of people forget as well that he's actually ran really well in the King's Stand the last two years. He just just come up short behind Blue Point. And if Blue Point wasn't around, he would be a dual King's Stand champion, you know. So maybe we've got to cut him a little bit of slack. I mean... The last couple of years, I haven't liked the horse at all. It's just I've always thought he was a latent job, um, and then he went and he won the Nunthorpe last year, and you just wondered, did he turn a corner? Because York had been a hoodoo place to him. He really disappointed there before when he lost to like um, Alpha Delphini and, Ma- and Mab's Cross. You know, um, he, he he's a he's an ultimate. He's a very talented horse, um, and he's going to take all the beat. And the one that. I quite liked her at a price. It's a bit of a cliff horse for quite a lot of people. But I think this is the time to catch him is Char- Charlie Hills' other runner, Equilateral, um, in the Jubmont colours. Now, this horse, a few years ago, he put in a really impressive performance. I think it was in a novice race at Doncaster, and he absolutely blew the field, and he looked like he could be a special sprinter. But um, after, that, after that performance, he's been a bit frustrating, been in and out. Um... But the time to catch him is when he runs fresh and obviously he's going to be coming in here first run of his season in the UK and all five of his career wins have come after a break. So if if you're going to catch him, now could be the time. And like Paul was saying, um, you, it's a great each way uh, betting race this. And I just think equilateral, I think he's a double figure price still. Um, I think he's definitely worth an each way fancy. That's really, Chris, that's really interesting what you say about equilateral. I think he's got any amount of ability. I think he's a difficult ride as well because he just has that one run in him, doesn't he, at the end of a race. I don't think he can quicken and quicken again. 
But if if he's put in the right place at the right time, the gap's open at the right time. You know, I couldn't put any anybody off what you say because he does have an electric turn of speed. He's got to be at the right place at the right time. But as you say, I think we're all in agreement. This is an each way play of a race, and um, he's he's a horse with a lot of ability if he wants to use it. So equilateral for Chris and curious for Paul Jacobs, both solid each way alternatives. And moving on to the next race that we were going to look at was... Can I jump in there, Marcus, very quickly and yeah. give you a bit of any other business before we, we go to Wednesday? Very quickly, the Ascot Stakes, which is a race I love to play in and has been a, a boon for national hunt horses down through the years. Um, I spoke to Samark Prescott last week because um, I wanted to specifically hone in on Land of Oz, who ran really well behind Collider Chelmsford uh, last week. And he said he would be about 65 70% fit at Chelmsford. And I think he's capable of winning off a mark of 93. I mean, it's a race where you've got to have so much luck and they stop, start the pace, don't they, coming out of Swinley Bottom. And, uh, and it's not always the stamina test the race of over two and a half miles should be. Um, and I may not even have a bet in the race, but it's worth passing on what Sir Mark said to our to our listeners, is that the horse needed to run badly behind Collide, ran really well over a mile and three quarters. And if you dismiss his run in the Cesarovich, where he'd basically gone over the top, I think Sir Mark is even hoping he might be a group three horse later in the year, but uh, we shall see. He's currently best price, 11 to 1 with Labrooks. Um, it's definitely an interesting one you put out, because I know Chris Slaughter is a big fan of Sir Mark Prescott. These handicapped jobs, he loves them. <laughs> yeah, we had a nice winner the other day with Cliff Wynn. So uh, yeah, we're looking out for Land nice. of Oz. But I like, um, I'll just carry on with that race there. There's a horse in there called Panissimo. Now, I've been talking to um, to Marcus about this one because it's got form lines with uh, with a favourite horse of mine called Caravan of Hope, who I think is the best, oh, right, yeah. the, be- the best handicapped horse in the UK. I, I put it out there a couple of weeks ago. And uh, this Pianissimo, after he bumped into Caravan of Hope, went on and won his next three starts in the all-weather. But, but it's interesting that they've put Frankie the Tory. Uh, I mean, it could it could mean anything. Um, maybe just uh, he was available. But I just thought it'd be interesting to see how he gets on to carry on the form line of Caravan of Hope. That is um, off, off a cliff job for Chris Loder. Um, <laughs> we were quite unlucky the other week. We were all on. Um, just went, went a bit wide from Palmer when it came to challenge and just got a bit tired on the running. I think the winner, the Roger Vieira, was, was quite well handicapped as well. Right, so moving on to Wednesday, the Prince of Wales Stakes. We have a, a hot pot in Aidan O'Brien's Japan, Ryan Moore on board. Chris, are we with this one or are we against it? I mean, it's you want to take him on because Aidan O'Brien, he's one of those trainers whenever his horses run first time you kind of want to take him on i remember sir dragon earlier in the season just before uh the irish racing stopped he was a he was a well fancied horse and he came up short obviously this is a di- different beast in japan but um yeah i mean he, he's he's really hard to knock he's a group one winner royal ascot winner last year won the king edward seventh um and then he went on to finish uh, fourth place in the arc behind um, Wildgeist and Abel. So uh, he's got some really good form um, from last season. And obviously, he's on paper, he's the one they've got to beat. I mean, what could you take him on with? Barney Roy is an interesting contender. Won the St. James's Palaces here um, a couple of years ago for Richard Hannon, but now is with Charlie Appleby after... Um, 
after he wasn't doing it in the stallion uh, he didn't didn't have the balls for it um so he's going to be an interesting contender and he seems they seem to look like they've got down to the bottom of him after he was a bit frustrating at the start for Charlie Appleby but if the rain came I thought Adieb could be interesting you know he's been out in Australia for William Haggis and Tom Marquand um he would need like I say a bit of rain to come because that's when he seemed to best effect uh, but I, I just thought he could be an interesting contender if there is maybe some showers around in the week and uh, he, he could maybe run well at a price. But uh, yeah, I think it's hard to beat Japan. But uh, if the rain came, I thought Adieb could be an interesting little bet. Yeah, I thought Hedman was, was a good alternative. I remember this horse gave me a good turn on debut in Newcastle. The words were very, very strong for this one. Group horse it was told back in 2018 when it ran. But yeah, I, I think it's quite a trappy affair. What about yourself, Paul? Are you with you with the favour? Are you against Japan? It's funny. I, when I saw Japan in the parade ring at Epsom for the Derby, I was quite weak. I thought whatever he did at three, would, the older cliche would be a, be a huge bonus. Um, uh, his art form, as good as it maybe was, uh, he went for home too early and paid for it late on. And he's almost a horse for me who's between trips, one mile and two, one mile and four. In a fast run race, he's got to be preserved with over one mile and four. Um, and over one mile and two, he needs a real good pace uh, to run at. So it's just interesting to see um, how he develops physically um, as a four-year-old. And I think he, he could be something by the by the end of the season. The other thing to note in this race is the makeup of the race. Every single horse wants to be held up. Every single horse wants to either, at best wants to be a presser. None of these are natural front runners. And going back to your opening um quote about the Queen Anne stakes that Aiden didn't have a, a, a pacemaker there. I was surprised he hasn't put a pacemaker in here. Really, really surprised. But I'm hoping that physically, if he's come on again, that Japan can book that first time out trend, um, which Chris talked about as far as Aiden is concerned, because it's a, it's a very notable trend as well. But I'm sure he's going to have him spot on. But this could be a messy race. It could be a really messy race, and therefore I wouldn't really want to be putting too many shekels down. And Chris's point about Adieb is, 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 is a really good one. If we do get some really heavy showers, and it's, say, good to soft, soft in places at best, then he's a player. He loves Ascot, and Ascot course form is very important, more so on the straight track than around track. But he is a mud lover, but he's not entirely a mud lover, as he showed in Australia uh, down under uh, this winter and spring. And I think Tom Marcan is just about the best improving jockey in the whole of the country. People talk about Ocean Murphy uh, and Kieran Fallon, but I think Tom Marcan is an absolutely superb horseman. horseman. When I used to ride out for Jack Berry when I was a kid up in Cockrum in Lancashire, Kevin Darley was the lead jockey um, there for, for Jack. And he said to me, it is the jockey that makes the least mistakes that's the best jockey. Not the jockey that wins your race, but makes the least mistakes at the highest level. And that's the kind of jockey that Tom Alcand is turning into. He makes now very, very few mistakes. And he's still only a novice jockey in the world of the higher echelon of, of riders. But I'm worried this could be a messy race. I do believe that Japan is head and shoulders above these. But because of the makeup of the race, I was going to leave it alone. Okay, that's interesting. There was one other thing I was going to ask you to as well regarding uh, Barney Roy. Now, what do you think that made Anne for? I mean, visually quite impressive. How, how strong do you think it is in comparison to say, to say Japan or Adibabs when in Australia? Do you like do you like the run or do you think? I, it think, I, think, 
yeah, I think the form's fair, but no more than that. It's yeah. and normally the Maidan Group One form is just a little notch below Group One form, isn't it? In in, in Great Britain, but he, he's done nothing wrong, has he? he? Deserves his chance in the field, and and you know this could be could come down to jockeyship. You know, it really could. He's a very very good horse, and I wouldn't dismiss his chances. Yeah, I think the layers are going to be out out for Japan, and I think I'm going to be in that gang as well. I think this is the one I'm going to go after on on Wednesday. Um, so. Obviously, Paul liked Ariab at 10s. Was it 10 to 1? No, that was uh, Chris liked that one at 10 to yeah. 1. Um, and you don't really want to bet anything in this race, do you, Paul? Stay away from it. I'm going to leave it alone. Actually, might bet in play, see how it develops through the first two or three furlongs, see what's happening. Because the jockeys are bound to have a chat beforehand in the changing room, aren't they? Even though they're. They're, no. they're, they're distancing from social distance. They're still going to have a chat. Are you going to go on? Do you, do you fancy kicking on? Or they might not talk to each other at all. So it could be a, it could be a play in the race, but I, I reckon I'm probably going to leave it alone. I mean, you've got somebody like Frankie Tutori on one that sort of went under the radar. It could be the makeup for a perfect nicking him from the front, you know, stealing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, moving on to moving on to Thursday now. The Gold Cup, obviously, betting is involved around Stradivarius. Chris, are we are we with him? Uh, I think you have to be now, don't you? Q Gardens uh, was uh, pulled out um, earlier in the week, uh, which is a shame because obviously he ended his unbeaten streak last year, didn't he? Um, but uh, I'm not convinced he actually would have got the extra couple of furlongs because this is over two and a half miles, where that race on Champions Day is over two, I think, exactly two. So, um, yeah, so Stradivarius, he's going for a third third gold cup now isn't it um it's going to be hard to beat i mean if you had to look at taking him taking him on technician could be an interesting horse just to just to watch um martin mead has been really bullish about this horse in, to the media in the last month or so but i find normally when he gets bullish um you, you kind of want to uh, start laying it because uh, he's he he likes to talk up his horses like they're like they're the best thing since sliced bread but um yeah i think technician it's just an interesting one to to see he is a group one winner in his own right he did win the pre-royal oak at longchamp last year but uh, the key to him i think is a bit of dig in the ground and i don't think it'll be that testing for him but yeah stradivarius i think he i think, think he ran okay at um newmarket in the coronation cup but yeah there's nothing in here lurking for him to worry about yeah it's interesting you mentioned the the run in newmark in the coronation cup i mean he certainly wasn't i mean it was a solid run um there's some good horses in behind him and the winner looks quite smart as well good to charlie appleby gaif um he's four to seven currently stradivarius and this does look quite a weak race um i thought cross counter could potentially be the each way alternative um but 15 to 2. what about yourself paul are you are you with stradivarius here well, he's rightly one to two, four to seven, isn't he? I mean, he should be favourite here. Um, Nayef rode one nicely at Newcastle, but I know at home that Mark Johnson thinks Sir Ron Priestley is a much better potential stayer than Nayef rode. And the reason why Sir Ron Priestley doesn't run here is because he had a setback in February and they they want to keep him for, I think his principal aim would be the Doncaster Cup because he stays so well. Doncaster Cup's uh, two and a quarter miles and a wee bit more. Goodwood Cup is a bare two miles. Goodwood Cup used to be two and a half. And I can't understand why they dropped it back to two if they're real stayers. That really annoys me. Whereas the Ascot uh, Gold Cup remains at two and a half. And if you're going to be, you're going to have that stayers championship, Ascot Gold Cup, 
um, Doncaster Cup, Goodwood Cup, then they should really be over in excess of two miles, shouldn't they? And sometimes you get a falsely run race and a speed horse can win at the end of it. So, and you know, I pick up on what um, Chris says about technician. He's a mudlog. Do you rather, he falls into the Adair basket, doesn't he? You know, mm. he wants plenty of rain. Um, I don't think Martin Mead's the best trainer around, to be honest with you. He's had plenty of good horses through his hands in the last three or four years, and he hasn't made the best of them. Um, and I think Stradivarius will win it unless there's a huge downpour. I think something's happened with Cross Counter that we don't know about. He's not the horse of old. He certainly wasn't last year. Whether they can bring him back to his best, I don't know. But even at his best, he'd be about four or five pounds at least behind Stradivarius. So unless we get really hot, deep ground conditions, it's hard to see Stradivarius losing this. And again, it's 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 a, it's a watch race for me because there are other races on the card that horses at bigger prices, which you know I like to play at big prices, Marcus. Uh, I don't think I've had a better odds on since I was five. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one, that. But uh, it's interesting, the, the point of the technician. If the ground does firm up, I think that could be one that I could potentially try and lay in the place market. Um, I mean, if it's around six to one, seven to one, if you can lay that for maybe even three places, four places, odds on maybe one point seven, I think that's a decent bet. Um, I, th- I think I think if it comes up faster than good, I think that Martin will probably take him out because I think you'll realise that the bigger prizes, the, the, those group of two mile plus races at Longchamp, isn't it, in the second half of the season yeah. in the autumn, that he could pick up plenty of those prizes where Stradivarius will stay at home and stay on the better ground in, in the UK. So I didn't think he'd, he'd want to chance him by getting me injured and him becoming lame on the ground too quick. But the, the weather forecast throughout the week is for showers literally throughout the week. I don't think we're going to get lightning fast ground. I think it's going to be perfect racing ground. And unless we get a real deluge or as catches the real heavy showers by chance and it is a chance thing it's probably going to be good, good to soft throughout most of the week i would have thought yeah it's, i mean it's quite similar to the makeup of Patash's race um, there's not really a live danger standing out here against Stradivarius and um, you can imagine there'll be quite a lot of multiples racking up between the two i actually think the old word value i mean Stradivarius 4-7 i mean i could easily see him going all 4-11 on the day um mm. looks very very solid i mean he's definitely the one to beat so moving on to Friday and the Commonwealth Cup, what do we like here, Chris? I thought this was quite a tricky race, actually. I think it's probably the most open group one of the week. Um, I think there's quite a lot of potentially nice horses on show here. Uh, Pierre Lepin, is, I think he's still favourite for the race. Um, been a horse that went into my tracker last season really liked him was only seen twice uh won the mill reef stakes at newbury um and roger varian wasn't tempted to go and step him up and trip uh for the guineas which is which is a positive because i think his future will lie over six seven furlongs he's actually a half brother to harry angel that uh, was a group one winning sprinter a couple of years ago wasn't he for, for clive cox so um definitely um a very interesting horse moving forward to, the, to this season and the stable have been going well since the resumption of racing thought wooded would be a really interesting runner i thought his uh comeback run at chantilly for francois henri graffard was very impressive i watch i would urge anyone to go back and watch a replay for that race he absolutely bolted up with pierre charles bordeaux uh, still on the bridle um at the winning line so yeah um he, he's going to be really interesting um, I thought Art Power could be interesting if he came for this race. Um, 
he might go for a handicap. I'm not too sure, but he won very impressively at New, impressively at Newcastle um, on the first day of racing. Um, I actually just sorry to interrupt. And in Art Power, he was one that I did like. I thought he was very impressive when in Newcastle. But as I say, I actually mentioned this to you today. The, I'm really concerned about the form of the stable. Um, the horses aren't running very well. Um, so if he does run out, he's definitely one I'd be wanting to take on. Um, just another question as well. What do you make of Mum's tipple? Do you remember going to get to see that form again at blistering, at blistering pace? What, what what do you find went wrong last time? It's it's. I'm not sure. I just think something's been wrong with him. But this race does have a bizarre fashion of throwing up a really big priced winner. Uh, wasn't it um, Sands of Marley? Did he win this a couple of years ago at a huge price? And he looked like he was going to be a blistering um, three year old when he was a two year old. So. Um, yeah, you never know. He could he could bounce back, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to get stuck into him. But if you fancied him, fair play, but not for me. Into one currently, I mean, he's, he's a bit he's a bit short. You want maybe about sixteens or eighteens about that, considering on that previous run. Yeah, I mean, I I I I I would want him to be twenty to one if I was going to have a flutter on him. But um, yeah, he's definitely. Uh, until he does it again, uh, I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. So, yeah, um, mum's tipple, not for me. But, yeah, the other horse I will just mention uh, before I finish up on, you can hand over to Paul, um, Fort Dubai Station could be quite interesting, actually. I thought, um, even though Malatru should have probably won that Group 3 Pavilion Stakes, I thought he was still a worthy winner at Dubai Station. I think six furlongs is the right trip for him. And um, ran well here as well in the Norfolk as a two-year-old, and that's that was a good, good piece of course form. So, yeah, again, it's a wide open race, but I think I'll have to stick with a jolly Pierre Le Pen horse that I really like, and I think he could be a superstar in the making. Okay, so you're with the Roger Variant Colt. It's currently a seven to two chance, best price available. Um, what about yourself, Paul? Are you with Pierre Le Pen, or are you going to take him on if you found something at a price? I thought it was impressive in the Mill Reef, and I loved his attitude when he came under pressure. Mm-hmm. He didn't look as though he was possibly going to win as convincingly as he did. Put his head down, and of course, he's very lightly raced, isn't he? He's totally unexposed. I agree with Chris. I thought this was the most difficult group one of the whole meeting. Um, I loved Wooded. I love him physically. What a bull of a horse. Mm. My word, what a specimen he is. And if he takes to Asker, he's a big player. And this has happened down through the years, hasn't it, Marcus and Chris? That Good horses that come over from France and to a bigger extent Germany, um, when they come to these shores for a group one, they tend to be priced up bigger. We have this thing, don't we, in this country that our horses are better, the Irish or the It is, it is, it is total ignorance. And it's, very, it's a very subjective view. And I, I certainly may well be backing him. I'm hoping that Aiden uh, declares Southern Hills for this race as well. He's another horse I thought was very immature. Uh, last year as a two-year-old, he's a lovely-looking colt. He's got bags of scope, really big, rangy horse, um, and he's a son of Glen Eagles as well. So he'll get further. But the dam is out of invincible spirits. He's got plenty of pace, and I like the way he actually won at uh, the meeting last year uh, when he beat uh, Platinum Star. He was that was a hugely underrated run. Now he's had a few problems since then. He didn't run after June the nineteenth, after winning the Windsor Castle. But he's a horse that definitely wants further than five furlongs. And I just wonder, in the few days before we have the Commonwealth, whether he'll be a spring. Of course, we don't know Aiden's going to run in the race, which is always a massive problem for backing anti-post. But if this horse does um, 
does line up on the day, uh, I will probably be backing him each way and maybe have a uh, maybe have a, a bet on Wooded as well because I think these physically are the two horses that will improve massively this season and I want it to be on the right side of. Yeah, both those selections, Royal Live and Woody, they're both ten to one chances. I'd certainly like just on my, my comment earlier about Mum's Tipple, I certainly prefer Paul's to I think they're much better value than Mum's Tipple, obviously on that previous run. Um, I can Woody... lighten you to Mum's Tipple, Marcus, as well. I spoke to uh, Richard yesterday. Okay. Uh, and he said basically the horse didn't like being held up. Uh, he wants to be closer to the pace and therefore he salt. So he hasn't got anything physically wrong with him. He said he salt and ultimately didn't stay when, when he was asked for his effort. Yeah, so there wasn't there wasn't a physical problem, and he definitely runs. And he did win on at Ascot on debut as well, which is yeah. something I always like um, with the course form. So maybe yeah, a return to Ascot could just rejuvenate him. Okay, so Chris likes Pierre Lapin, Paul likes Royal Liffham and Woodied each way. The price is ten to one. And moving... Southern, Southern Hills and Woodied, Southern Hills and Woodied, Southern Hills, yeah, yeah. and uh, Woodied at ten to one. And moving on to Saturday, Diamond Jubilee. Uh, which one are we with here, Paul? Can, can I just jump in and, and give you something else on the back end of Friday? This yeah. is another race. I, I've, I fancy that Chris likes playing in this race as well. I, I gauge that this is his type of race, the Duke of Edinburgh handicap, um, over a mile and a half. Yeah, he loves to handicaps. Yeah, he's always phoning me, asking me for... <laughs> uh, I'm interested to see what Chris has got to say about this. I think a horse... Um, I, I really like Dal Harrigal, who uh, uh, is, of course, William Haggis's horse. He mm. thought he was going to be a Group 1 horse in his younger years, and he had loads of problems with him. He's a niggly little bugger at home. He picks up splints, and he goes uh, lame uh, every so often. And I think there's a big race in him. And despite being a four-year-old, he still only visited the racetrack on six occasions. Um, the ghetto was run behind Sir Ron Priestley last time out. Oh, he wasn't right, I've been told. I think he can win off a mark of 102 if he get. I mean, we talk about the Duke of Edinburgh and that the draw is very important, as we've heard in the past. Although, funny enough, those drawn high out wide have got a very good record in this race. I can't understand them. Of course, Mark Johnson's got a superb record mm. in this race. And indeed, the King George V, which is the three-year-old equivalent of this race. But I think he'll win a big race. And I, if he if he actually is declared and I can get a double-figure price in him, I, I will be backing him. you got anything in that race? Yeah, well, I, I'm not exactly with that one. But there's a horse in here that... If he runs, I can see your, I can see your eyes lighting up right now. Yeah. And this, this is <laughs> any any handicaps race I love. I love handicap races. Further than group ones, get proper stuck yes. in because they're they're easier to work out. I think, um, yeah. believe it or not. Um, but the, there's there's a horse in here. Don't know if he'll run, but he's called Sam Cook for Rafe Beckett. Now Rafe Beckett's team they started so shockingly the first few days but then all of a sudden they've really picked up form uh, in the last week or so and this sam cook um he won a hand he's only run four times in his career and he ran at the chester meeting in may last year for mark of 85 he absolutely tanked up in that race um and he only got raised eight pounds to a mark of 93 he was originally uh, rated 85 before that Chester race. But, boy, did he win so easily. And he could easily have £10 in hand at the handicapper. Uh, he could easily be a 100-rated plus horse. So unexposed. He's on just now as well, Ralph, Ralph Baker. Yeah, exactly. 14-1 to 1 at the moment, best price. Yeah, I mean, he might have to have a few come out, but 
He's yeah. definitely going to have a big one in him someday, and if he did turn up here, he would be a would be a massive interest. So there's two, and they're probably the most trickiest race of the week. Paul and Chris have fancy something. Don't tell me it's your nap. Give people a <laughs> No, no. no. Mo- moving on to Saturday, Diamond Jubilee. Where where are we going here, Paul? Uh, well, I'll be damned if I'll be damned here. Because I've got the sceptical blues and I hope he doesn't win, to be honest with you. I actually hope he wins for, for connections because it's a great fairy story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, how he's improved. and How many times have so many of the really clever owners and trainers got cast-offs from Godolphin for pennies? For absolute pennies. And, um and they they've 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 benefited from it and i think it's a i think it's a great story uh, i was on hello young's game for the commonwealth last year back to um months beforehand at 33s and 40s and i thought he should have won the commonwealth uh, he, he 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 jinxed coming out the stalls he was very slowly away and then he was asked for his effort two furlongs out i, I think he i think he lost his stride pattern i think he changed legs and then he ran on really strongly in the final 150 yards and I think he proved that he was better than that when, of course, he won at Haydock in the, in the Spring Cup. I think he's a worthy favourite, and he's a big pride. It's funny, isn't it? This is a really open race. From the layers have gone what six, seven to one the field. Um, and again, I use that term, and I think he's almost an each way bet to nothing because if there is any given the ground, just a little bit of give. He, he he certainly won't mind it. But if Skeptical wins, I'll have my my head in my hands, and the air will be as blue as it ever could be in whichever room I am in at the time of the of the Diamond Jubilee. So, um, and the other horse I thought was interesting, based on that great weight uh, carrying performance in the Stewart's Cup, was Cardem, who's a little bit of a monkey. Uh, I know the guy who rides him out. He's a little bit of a monkey, but if everything goes his way, as it did in the Stewards, and it had to do with the Stewards, um, he's a very, very, very good horse. But he has to see apparently as little de- daylight as possible and be, be, be produced at the last moment. So he could outrun his price as well. Uh, but this this all surrounds sceptical, and I, I I might not even watch the race to be honest with you. I could I could have the ultimate footballing cliche of being gutted if he wins this. He's sounding very bullish there, Paul. He's currently well, obviously with, with Paddy, he's five to two, best price available, three to one. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, it's one of those. That's the price you pay, isn't it? When you bet anti-post, I'm sure Chris bets anti-post as well, um, and and jumping in before his nice run, when all the all the connections and the, and the trainer said the King Stan was was going to be his his big aim. You know, you think, well, I've got twenty to one here. I can lay off all over the bloody place, can't I? And then when he comes out yesterday and says he's going to win the Golden Jubilee, I was going to ring the guy up and say, well you've made a big mistake here you know I'm, I'm, it is what it is and that's the price you pay for anti-post betting but, chris know, is the mark for a sky bet paul really that's why he's still got an account yeah, <laughs> yeah he is i'm telling you chris Lodo is the the mark for sky bet what's your views on the skeptical chris um don't don't, don't bet with sky bet okay let's get on i mean i don't think he's that good actually <laughs> oh. um, I I think the sprinting division in Ireland is very weak. I mean, it isn't great here, but I mean, I think it's they have some awful sprinting group ones over in Ireland. Um, I mean, and he just he I think he's average. Um, 
but say that Dennis Hogan did well last year with the Godolphin recruit, wasn't it? Hathik that went favourite for the Epsom Dash. So yeah. he 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 can he can do well with these Godolphin castoffs. But yeah, six furlongs. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, he's definitely not on my radar for the race. The one I really did want to run in the race, but unfortunately. Yeah. I've already written a preview, and um, <laughs> until I learned this news, um, Kate, Kate Byron, I really fancied him to go well in this race if he turned up for Roger Verin, but I believe he's just had a little setback, so he's not going to appear. Man did a last, um, landed a massive gamble last year in uh, Wokingham, wasn't it? Um, but he's got, and he's got a fantastic record at Ascot. Um, I think he's won it about four or five times in his career. The key to him would have been if the ground hadn't gone too soft, but the ground would have been perfect for him. But yeah, he's unfortunately he's not going to run. Um, so I've had to look elsewhere. Um, the the one I thought was quite interesting was Space Blues, um, for Charlie Appleby. Bit of a forgotten horse, but uh, I thought his win at Haydock uh, last weekend was really nice. Um, beat um John Quintus, Safe Voyager, uh, who's no mug. Um. And did it quite cosily in the end, Space Blues. I just think he's been quite well gambled in the markets in the last week for this. I think he'll go our favourite. I think he'll be shorter than Hello Yunzane, even though I do like the horse. Um, but for me, yeah, it's it's a tricky race to, to really get stuck into. Uh, Kate Byron was, was my angle in, but you could make cases for the Tin Man, who's got a great record at Ascot, won this race a couple of years ago. Um, you know it's it's very tricky um but yeah if, if i had to nail my colors to the mast i think i'd just have a a small each way on space blues he's currently seven to one best price i think there's certainly a race it's very trappy small stakes a fair for me i don't think i'll be getting involved in this one um and moving on to our last race we're going to look at is the st james stakes on the saturday chris pinatubo you're still going to lay him this time? You're going to use that guineas money, load up again. Of course. Um, he won't, He's not a miler. He should He should be running in the Commonwealth Cup. That is the race he should be running in. Um, don't... Place blue or when? Both? Um, place, I think. Um, I think... Oh, that's... Whoa, I like this. That's um, going to be the one. He's on chance. He's, um, he's, the, the only way is not up. It's the only way is down uh, for him. I uh, 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 I think um, I don't think he'll uh, he'll win this race. I don't see him making the frame. Um, Wichita would be interesting if he does turn up. I thought he ran well in the Guineas, um, but uh, the one I really want to come here is Palace Pier. You know I've been sweet on this horse yeah. for, for ages. Even though there was some vibes a few weeks ago that maybe he wasn't working that well at home, but yeah, well, that uh, makes his performance even better. Because we obviously he, he'll be doing my source that he probably might have needed the run, but he was very very impressive. And he will come on for that. Yeah, um, I mean, he does his best work late on. I would urge anyone listening to this to go and watch his second start at Sandown, where at the furlong marker he looked like he was going to be in a battle to really fight out the the race. But uh, in the last furlong, he just brushed aside his rivals, um, and he was staying on really strongly. I think a mile, a mile, and maybe a mile and a quarter will be his optimum. In uh, later on in the season, I could see him running well in races like the Sussex Stakes, the QE2. Um, later on on Champions Day, I think he, he's tailor made for these kind of races. Um, 
And even though he did run in a handicap at Newcastle, that was just a prep run for bigger and better things. Um, yeah, he's. Um, I'm all over him for this race. I think he's sort of a really special horse in the making, and uh, I hope he he uh, takes all the beating here. Best price eleven to two. I mean, I kind of agree with you as well. I mean, eleven to two is cracking each way bet, in my opinion. I mean, I'd rather be on that than Pinatubo eleven to eight. It seems very skinny. Um, I don't think there'd be much progression from that run at Newmarket either. What's your views on this, Paul and Pinatubo? Obviously, he's making a lot Chris, of money. Chris has said everything I was going to say. <laughs> I, I think he's a character, Palace Pierre. I think sometimes he thinks he's done enough and he gets the front. The jockey really has to wake him up. And once he was given a couple of backhanders at Newcastle, Oof. it almost like cursed him into action and, it, and he pulled clear. Um, and I think Chris is right as well. I think. Uh, a mile and a quarter could be his optimum trip in time. I, I don't think he's got a snowball's chance of staying a mile and a half. He's got a lot of natural pace, hasn't he? He's got a really mm. high cruising speed. Um, and I agree, Pinatubo. I think connections are being a little bit dogmatic with him, aren't they? Sticking it with a mile when he's got mm. some, he's got such a high cruising speed as well. Um, and I just think that one race at the back end when he was a juvenile in the Dewhurst was one race too far for him. I just wonder that took the edge off. He was a very heavily raced, wasn't he, as a, as a two-year-old Chris? Mm. I just thought, you know, I mean, who am I to say up against you know, someone like Charlie Appleby, who's, who's a great horseman and, uh, and knows more about the game than I'll ever likely to know. But that, w- that was the kind of view I had. So I'm just going to ditto everything that Chris says about this race. Yeah, I, I can sort of see the makeup of this race. Just Pinatou be, being in front and Palace Spear eyeballing him. And, I mean, I, you'd want to be on Palace Spear to find, wouldn't you? And a run mm, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So... So we're placing Pinatubo yep. and Palace Pier each way. Yeah, Palace Pier, I will I think it'll go off if Frankie has a good week. Um you yeah, could only go a favourite for the race. So you want to be hoovering up that eleven to two right now? Yeah, dirt, bit of dirty each way never harmed anyone, did it? Um yeah. I think I think you want, I've you got an account that I could use. Uh I'll I'll text you after the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because that, that won't last long after this goes off 7-2. to two. So in the last race, I mean, I've got a feeling this could be your nap of the week as well, Chris. Palace Pier, my nap. Mm, no, it's not my race, is it? Um, Rule Hunt Cup. Handicap, ferry runners. Rule Hunt Cup, that's, um, that's, that's more of my gravy. Um, there is a horse um, running in here that I think um, will win the race again, and that's a fact. Um hope I pronounced that right, uh, for Charlie Hills and Kieran Fallon. Now, this horse um, is around about 16 to 1 shot with some firms at the current time of recording. Um, he's a bit, some people might think he's a bit high in the weights, but I think um, the time to catch him is fresh. He won this race um, last year, fresh, uh, on his seasonal reappearance of what looked like to maybe be a career-high mark. But uh, they've booked Kieran Fallon Jr. for this race, claiming the extra three pounds. He's got a good draw as well. Um, he's on the high high part of the course, which I like in these big field handicaps. That has got a lot of people say, "Oh, the draw doesn't really matter." But every year you see it time and time again in these big handicaps, which I love at Ascot. Um, you want to be high. I, I know sometimes you do get the odd race that it pays to be low, but I reckon seventy. I don't know the stats, but to me, every time I see a big field handicap at Ascot, you want to be middle to high. And he's drawn in stall 18. Um, I think 
Dishorse. Um, I, th- I don't think he can quite live with it in group company, but yeah, Royal Hunt Cup, I think he can win it again. And uh, yeah, he's a he's a major player. Okay, so fact in the Royal Hunt Cup is 16 to 1. Classic Lucky Loaders nap. What about yourself, Paul? What's your best bet of the week? Uh, uh, fact's really interesting. Chris makes a really good argument for him. And the other plus in his favour, not only is he an, an Ascot course and distance winner on the straight track, which is more important on the straight track than the round track, that he won't mind any rain either. He likes to get his mm. toe in. That's another plus for him. And the hustle and bustle we know is not a problem for him. So that's an interesting one from Chris. And not many people will turn down a 16 to 1 winner. Um, of the horses we've mentioned, I, um, I, I thought my best bet was the each way bet on Curious in the Kingstown. I mean, I'm quite happy to, to have an 8 to 1 nap winner just because he's placed. And what happens if something does happen to Batash? I mean, Batash is the most obvious winner of the race. We, we know that, yeah? But what if, it, what if, what if, what if something doesn't go his way and he, he pulls his chops off in the first quarter of a, a mile? Or, uh, you just never know. And these sprinters are really interesting because they can improve hand over fist um, in the space of a couple of months. It, 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 she could improve another seven to ten pounds uh, from her last run. And if she does, uh, she's a player. But as I say, second or third, happy days. Well, I wish you all the best. And it could be another year's champion tips. There's curious, does the business, Paul. Well, keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. So, do you know what? I'll probably just play it safe. Have a little bit on Batash on the lay. Uh, maybe Nick a wee bit in running as well. See how he's travelling. I'll bet yours each way. And Palace Pierce, Palace Pierce probably is a good alternative each way. But probably say my my best bet. You know, is the, the pessimist probably comes about where I'm from. But um, probably be laying Japan the price he's odds on. I think there's in the race to get him beat. Brilliant. Anyway, it's been great, guys. I hope everyone. Has a couple of winners, listens to obviously Paul and Chris's advice. Um, maybe don't listen to my advice on the lay. We'll see how much we're behind. But um, yeah, if you're in trouble, pin a two-ball lay four places. That should be a happy payday for everyone. But listen, guys, it's been great. Thanks for your time. Um, good luck. For more podcasts, please follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. On social media, we're available on Twitter, where our handle is at in the saddle pod. And on Instagram, our name is In The Saddle Global. For more podcasts, please follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. On social media, we're available on Twitter, where our handle is at In The Saddle Pod. And on Instagram, our name is In The Saddle Global.